The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown combined for 62 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill combined for 206 yards. And yet, Tampa Bay won by 22 points. Meanwhile, no quarterback has ever been pressured as many times in the Super Bowl as Patrick Mahomes was last night. 29 times. He was pressured. Oh, my goodness. And the Chiefs barely ever gave some extra protection for their offensive line. What was going on? Ugh. we got so many things to talk about here. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard. I ate, at the end of the day, 17 wings yesterday. 17 wings. Pretty proud of that. Uh, did I beat you, Dave? <laughs> no, I think I beat you. Really? Uh, I know during the game I had, I ordered 16 more wings. I had 13 of those wings. And then before I ate three wings in a minute during the Twitch stream. So that alone is 16 plus probably another three more on top of that. Put me down for 19 wings, Adam. All right. In your face. Chris Towers is back after a week off. Um, you know, you. I, how did you enjoy the game, Chris? And how many wings did you eat? Um, I didn't have any wings. You know, I, I, I moved away from South Florida a little over a year ago and I was feeling a little homesick. So I made a... One of my favorite South Florida delicacies is Zinger Mountain Melt, which is uh, just basically <laughs> buffalo chicken tenders on yeah. top of fries covered in melted cheese. Uh-huh. That sounds uh, amazing. I ate that whole thing. That's so good. probably, you know, roughly 16 wings worth of food, probably yeah. well, a little too much. I don't I don't like to eat my feelings, but I said to myself, I was only going to have one cookie on top of brownie treat. Um, but the game <laughs> was so bad. Well, it's like it's like there's it's a box that has two uh, two. Um, oh, okay, it's like mixed in. Yeah, 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 it's like yeah. Cookie. Right. Oh, it's those the are delicious. Yeah, right, right. You know them, right? So you make the brownie batter and you make the cookie dough batter and then you put them together. You put the cookies on top of it. They're they're great. I was only mm -hmm. gonna have one. I was so upset about the game. I really get very excited for the Super Bowl. I love the Super Bowl. This was one of the worst games I've ever watched. It was so bad and such a letdown considering you thought it had the potential to be one of the best games that you were ever going to watch. I had to have another brownie cookie. So that's how I got through the night, guys. And by the how way... How many of those did you end up having? Two. Two. 
okay. just just want to thank feels, everybody. Feels like the floor for that feels like the floor for Dave and I. <laughs> there was kind of small too. I just want to thank everybody who tuned in <laughs> yesterday to our live stream uh, to CBS Sports HQ throughout the week. To listen to all our shows. Now let's get to the game here. What we're going to do on today's show? We're going to look at these two teams and talk about them going into 2021. Uh, the questions I have for you is Tyree Kill clearly your number two wide receiver. Uh, is Tom, I'm going to Tom Brady or Justin Herbert, 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 Tom Brady or Justin Herbert. They were actually back to back in points per game and they were pretty much tied in six point per passing touchdown leagues. Uh, they were back to back in yards per game, finished third and fourth. They were almost tied there. Their statistics were very similar, uh, when you factor in that Herbert only played 15 games, uh, Clyde Edwards, Z-Lair versus David Montgomery, all that later, but let's talk about the game. Um, uh, Dave, I'll give you the first word. What jumped out at you? 31 to nine. Oh goodness! Uh, so I picked Kansas City. That was that was great. Yeah, uh, and and I I did it understanding that they were going to play the game without both of their starting offensive tackles. They've been playing without one of their starting offensive tackles for a while. But I also thought that maybe at some point within the two weeks that the Chiefs were preparing for the game, they might have said, "Okay, how are we going to go about playing football without our two starting offensive tackles against Tampa Bay?" And I I guess Andy Reid was like. No worries. Mike Remmer's got it. And that just kind of blows my mind. So, like, I, I know that Tyreek Hill said after the game they were expecting more man coverage. That's a whole separate conversation. We have data that said that, like, Tampa Bay was going to play a lot of zone coverage. If you remember the Week 12 game, they were destroyed by man coverage. There was no doubt that they were going to see a lot of zone coverage. But the offensive line stuff, man, is unforgivable. And the fact that the Chiefs didn't have a counterpunch for anything that Tampa Bay threw at them... It didn't even feel like it was remotely close to the Kansas City offense that we've seen for the last three seasons. It was horrible, and it was embarrassing for Andy Reid and his entire staff. Uh, it's 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 terrible, and now they know. Look, Kansas City has a lot in place already for 2021. Mahomes ain't going anywhere. Edwards Hilaire isn't going anywhere. Kelsey and Tyreek aren't going anywhere. Uh, they'll get back uh, Duvernay Tardif at guard. Both the tackles will theoretically be healthy enough to play, at least at some point early on in the season. But they need to improve the depth of that offensive line and add talent to it, along with adding maybe another pass rusher on defense to make quarterbacks uncomfortable. That That's where they're headed. I think the offense will be fine, but just really an embarrassing display by the Chiefs' offense in, in the game against Tampa. Yeah, Mahomes, first time he's lost by more than 10 points. First time he has not scored, or his team hasn't scored a touchdown in a game that he started since high school. Uh, it, it did not happen in college, had not happened in the pros. Um, and then, yeah, you, looking at the setup for next year, we'll talk about this later, but the Bucks have some key free agents, okay? Shaq Barrett played on the mm. franchise tag. Chris Godwin, Gronkowski, Fournette, Antonio Brown. They got some key free agents. Uh, the Chiefs... Sammy Watkins is one of their key free agents. You know, they're pretty much coming back intact. Uh, but I guess my question, you know, and I'll throw this to Chris, is like, you could say Andy Reid, Biennemi, they're at fault or whatever, and the, the Tyreek Hill quote about expecting man coverage was damning considering it was so much zone. But it's ridiculous. The, when, when you consider what I said, no quarterback had ever been pressured as many times as Mahomes was last night. And yet... Tampa Bay blitzed five times. They sent more than four rushers five times. I don't know that there's any game planning when you, you can do when your five guys up front just got their butts kicked over and over and over again by four guys up front. I don't know. Maybe they just got beat 
and, I, and you don't blame it on the coaching. You just tip your hat to uh, to the Bucks front four and 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 the secondary obviously played great too. Chris, what's your take? It, it felt a a little bit, at least in the first half, kind of like a, a a bleep happens kind of game uh, where Tampa benefited from a number of. I, I think that the the degree to which the calls were questionable, I think, was overstated. The most of the penalties that were called on the Chiefs were penalties that legitimately should have been called and uh they just happened to come at bad moments and then there were a handful of situations where kansas city had opportunities to make plays and the receivers just didn't make plays there was one obviously i think the one everybody thinks of is the one where I, was it damian williams that hit him in the face mask uh was and that then, him uh, or was that Watkins? Uh, wasn't Damian Williams? Daryl Williams. Williams. Oh, it was Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, not <laughs> Damian, I, I thought Dan you meant Daryl Williams. Yeah, there. Right. Um, there was another one on the on the left sideline, right in front of the end zone, where Tyree Kill got his hands on it. It was a tough contested play, but he could have made the catch for a touchdown. Um, it's a much different game if those plays happen. So, I I don't think there's many lessons to be learned here. I think Tampa had a really good outcome and. Kansas City had a really bad one. Now, yeah. being that being said, I think Tampa could have had a better offensive game. And so, you know, I think they could have put their Seriously. foot on the pedal a little more than they did. And um, I think it mostly comes down to Kansas City not executing. I, I don't think it was really a, uh, you know, anything to take a lesson from looking ahead to 2021. They were three of 13 on third down efficiency in the game. And like Patrick Mahomes made a bunch of incredible throws that just weren't completed this time. It was, it was kind of the, I was thinking while watching the game, every time Patrick Mahomes like has to roll out and he's rolling, you know, either left or right, it doesn't matter. And he goes downfield mm-hmm. your assumption. It's kind of like Steph Curry launching into a 35 foot three pointer. You just assume it's going to, to work. Right. Even though, you know, the success rate for everyone else is really low. Uh, and this was one of those games where it just those plays didn't work out for the Chiefs. And if they had hit two or three of them, it's a much different game. Sure. It's almost like what Seattle does, except for the first half of this past season, where they just like they run the ball and they're in a competitive game in the fourth quarter. And they're like, okay, Russ, go, go win this game for us. Yeah. Save us, save us. And you know, sometimes Russ saves them and sometimes he doesn't. Mahomes yeah. couldn't save them on Sunday. I think the Chiefs could use a little bit more pass rush. Not that they don't have some good players up front, but they, they sacked Brady once and they hit him twice. Yeah, they they weren't even close. And yeah. you know, Brady, Brady was Brady was holding the ball for a long time. His yeah. time to release was longer in the Super Bowl than any quarterback's average time to release this season. <laughs> yeah, and then what would he do wow. when nobody was open? He would hit Fournette underneath. It was like classic Tom Brady, obviously classic Rob Gronkowski. And uh, you know, I, I think Todd Bowles is looking great right now, but we know this time and time again. When you can get pressure with four, it's just it's game over. It, yeah. It's just you can cover so well. The Chiefs defensive back or the Bucks defensive backs for for a lot of the game, at least that I saw. I was on the air in the second half, so I didn't get to track it as closely. But in the first half, they're playing way off. They're yes. obviously just saying nothing deep. And Patrick yep. Mahomes talked about that. They did a great job taking away the big plays. The biggest play of the game was thirty three yards. Uh, so that was just. Perfect, perfect game the, plan for the biggest the play in the first half was nine or eleven. It was. Uh, yeah. It could have been an eleven-yard run by Mahomes. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. it just it wasn't working. And has a has a blueprint been created 
for how to defend against Patrick Mahomes in this offense now? Only if you can whip them up front. I mean, if you right. can, if, if you can drop everyone back and, well, but, and well, rush it's, for it's sure. It's kind of the blueprint against every quarterback. It's the it's the yeah. Giants' blueprint against the sixteen and the Tom Brady yeah. uh, Patriots. Mm-hmm. Right. You just got to get to them. If you can rush the passer without having to sacrifice some coverage, sure, you can slow down any offense. But there's a like this is the first time Patrick Mahomes' offense has ever been slowed down like this. So I think that tells you the chances of it happening moving forward. I guess yeah. my next question is how how much more often are we going to see man coverage against Kansas City? knowing that they were stymied like this. And, and defenses are going to know that they're going to have a harder time pressuring Mahomes. The Chiefs are obviously going to address that. Uh, and, and they're going to get better when their offensive line gets healthier. But I bet we don't see them see man coverage much often anymore. Yeah, I would much I often, would kind of... Very often. I think most people are going to dismiss this result. Certainly going into next year for fantasy purposes, everyone's going to look at the Chiefs as having the best offense in football. And maybe they won't finish number one, but you know what I mean. Uh, and Mahomes being Mahomes and everybody being great. I, and that's prob- that's the way I'll approach it too, but just to play devil's advocate to that, the Patriots sort of exposed the Rams three Super Bowls ago. And what happened? And teams mm-hmm. copied that blueprint, and the Rams had to change their style completely. Now, I think I think a lot of that was just Todd Gurley was never the same after you know halfway through that Super Bowl season or a little bit more than that. He suffered the injury and... And he just hasn't been the same player since. But the Rams' offense hasn't been the same since the they got well since the since the girly injury. But it kind of culminated in them getting pantsed in the Super Bowl offensively. Anyway, they got embarrassed yep. by the Patriots. Um, so you know, you know, you never know. But I think we all expect the Chiefs to bounce back. They are already the favorites to win the Super Bowl in 2021. Uh, I just have one more, well, two more beefs. You talked about the calls. The one that really bothered me was on the Tyron Matthew interception that was deflected twice. I didn't like that holding call uh, that got called. I think Mike Evans was the receiver. I don't remember who the call mm-hmm. was. I think it was on... Um, Travaris Ward. It was, yep, Travaris Ward, right. Thank you. I didn't like that one so much. Uh, and the one on Matthew in the end zone. Yeah. That was, was thrown to Mike Evans. Uh, it, it probably shouldn't have been pass interference. It probably should have been holding yes. at most, and it definitely wasn't a catchable ball. Right, and then they ran. They ran five times in the first half. That that really, I thought they got too one dimensional. And when you can't drop back and throw, run the damn ball. And they did it in the second half. But then eventually they were getting their butts kicked and they couldn't. But Clyde Edwards either had four carries. Daryl Williams had one. That's something I think they probably regret a little bit. They should have been a little bit more varied offensively in the first half. Any final thoughts? No, we talked about Kansas City and, and how their offense is coming back in good shape and their offensive line should rebound, but they still need depth there. They need to get better at guard. Uh, and then Tampa Bay has got a lot of players that may not be back. Godwin chief among them. He'll be an interesting one to watch this offseason. Yeah, they're, they've they've been one of the tougher teams to to rank and project so far in the, in the early process because there's just almost certainly going to be you know a significant amount of turnover. And this was an offense that, really spread the ball around in a way that for most of the season really hurt the value of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, and really both of the running backs and, you know, as, as long as both yeah. were healthy. All right. Well, we'll, we'll revisit this a little yeah. bit later. Do they, do they really questions. bring back Fournette? I hope not. Same Fournette, by the way, <laughs> just became the third player in NFL history to score a touchdown in four straight super uh, four straight postseason games within the same postseason. And Jason Pierre-Paul is now 8-0 in the playoffs with two Super Bowl rings. 
Uh-huh. Schrager let me know. McCoy just won back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, Damian <laughs> Williams said he is coming back. LeSean McCoy went back-to-back Super Bowls. That's actually pretty funny. Technically true. Kansas City had the third most penalty yards in postseason history in this game. Um, and Antoine Winfield said, The taunting man, it's something I just had to do. When we played them earlier, Tyreek Hill went off on us. He backflipped in front of my face and gave me the peace sign, so it was only right that I gave him the peace sign right back to him. It felt amazing to do that. I'm not even going to (laughs) lie. That was cool. Uh, We had an email from Mike in Midlothian, Illinois. This is our email of the day. Hey, Neo, Trinity, Morpheus, and Smith. I know that. That's the Matrix. I'm disappointed in you guys for not doing a Super Bowl snack draft. Yeah, I'm disappointed in us, too. Yeah. People like I'll such put different the calendar things. Calendar for next year, right now. All right, good stuff, Shraggy B. Super Bowl snack draft. Good, I got a year to prepare. Buffalo chicken dip is definitely going to be high on the list. I know people love of that course. stuff. Yeah, I'm not touching that. It's so good, dude. Oh, it's so it's good. Delicious. I put I'm it, sure it is. I and put it on people, pasta yesterday. It, it wouldn't be popular if it wasn't good, but it's just not going to make my. Okay, board. well, you're wrong about that. So probably, if you uh, you want some good gambling advice. Check out the Early Edge podcast powered by Sportsline. Every day, Jonathan Coachman, who I got the pleasure of working with yesterday for the first time. It was a lot of fun. Um, He and an expert crew of Sportsline handicappers break down the biggest games of the day. The NBA and college basketball picks are heating up. Every episode is 10 minutes or shorter. It's in your feed by 11 a.m. If there's a sharp side of the action, you'll be armed with it. Go check out the Early Edge podcast wherever you listen to FFT. Real quick, great advice if you want to make a little, little money. All right, injuries, news, and notes. Like I said, every, uh, Tampa Bay's got key free agents, but all of them seem like they want to return in 2021. It was a big, happy family. Uh, Houston, uh, we have a ton of quarterback news. This is wild. This offseason is going to be great. Houston insists that they're not trading Deshaun Watson. We'll see what happens. Drew Brees, it appears like he's retiring, and we get a report from Ian Rappaport that Jameis Winston is the favorite to be the starting quarterback. Hmm. I want to give a few numbers here. Michael Thomas, he played six games with Teddy Bridgewater in 2019, and he was on pace for 1,700 yards and eight touchdowns. He played four games with Taysom Hill, and he was on pace for nearly 1,400 yards. And zero touchdowns. But no touchdowns. That one's, I think that one would surprise people. I don't think you know, the the perception of Michael Thomas with Taysom Hill was that he was as productive as he was. Obviously, the touchdowns were were an issue, but he had something like a 40% target rate yeah. in the games Taysom he Hill did. played because Taysom Hill would, you know, make one read, and it was usually Michael Thomas. Yeah, but I, I was just trying to illustrate that he has been productive when Breeze hasn't played, and Jameis Winston mm-hmm. is a much more accomplished, obviously... The turnovers are an issue, but just from a fantasy standpoint, much more accomplished quarterback and probably better for wide receivers than Bridgewater or Taysom Hill. Well, Dave, what do you make of that report, by the way, that that Winston is in the driver's seat to uh, be the starting quarterback? Maybe they wanted to see what Taysom Hill could do as the starting quarterback for four games, and they realized that he was good as a fill-in guy, but not someone that they could actually develop into a uh, every week starter because he was good. He was impressive, but it was kind of one dimensional, right? He, the, the, the offense really didn't change very much from game to game. He got better at times. He got better. There were a couple of games in there where he wasn't necessarily great, but I think they see Winston as, all right, this guy's been, you know, NFL quarterback his whole career. And, you know, they fell into their lap and 
they've been practicing with him. They know him better than anyone outside of Tampa Bay. And they must feel like he can give their offense a little bit more pop. And that's probably something that they're looking for that maybe Hill couldn't give them or that Drew Brees wasn't quite giving them toward the end of this season. So, and and, it, and it's going to be an economical solution for them too, because I don't expect Jameis to command a ton of money coming off of a year where he was a backup. Maybe that's part of the reason why they didn't start him for those four games was because they knew that if he went out there and he played well for those four games, I bet this is it. If he had gone out there and played well for those four games, well, he'd be able to go into free agency and command 15 plus million dollars a year. And now that he didn't do that, he probably can't get 15 million on the open market, but the saints will say, Hey, you know, come back for nine, 10 million. That's a huge raise from what you got. And you can, you know, compete for the starting job and then ultimately be the starter. If he improves on his, on his, uh, accuracy, you know, his decision-making, he could be a phenomenal quarterback yeah. in that offense. So let's, let me throw out names here. Would you take, let's say Jameis Winston's a starting quarterback for the Saints. Would you take him or Ryan Tannehill? I still feel like you got to take Tannehill there. He's, he's I, earned it with the consistency that he's given you over the years. I have Tannehill as my number 12 quarterback. I, I think either way, the Saints would have a top 12 quarterback next season, but I already have Taysom Hill in my top 12, so I, I think it might be a situation where Tannehill slides up a spot and I, I put Jameis 12th, but it would be fascinating because he's so different than anyone the Saints have had playing recently. Yeah, totally. And what about Matt Ryan? How about Matt Ryan or Jameis? Jameis. They're going to be in that same boat of late-round quarterbacks that you're just going to start with or you're going to stash on your bench to see if they can explode. I do love the idea of Arthur Smith running an offense with Matt Ryan there, but I also think that that run game will be a lot better than it was. I think Jameis might be the more fun pick. All right, then how about Michael Thomas or DK Metcalf if it's Jameis at quarterback? PPR, to me, that's an easy one to go with Michael Thomas. Non-PPR... Uh, I still might go with Thomas there just because the Seahawks seem hell-bent on being balanced. Right now, I have Thomas ahead in PPR, Matt Cass slightly ahead in non-PPR. I think if Jameis takes over, you expect the passing volume to go up. Uh, and I would think Michael Thomas's targets would be a little more valuable because it's not going to just be you know, all slants and underneath routes and mm-hmm. comebacks. It's going to hurt his catch gonna... rate, though. It's definitely going to hurt his catch rate. That's fine. Uh, I think, you know, what we saw with what's that? (laughs) Not for PPR. Right. But he's his target share is going to be a lot higher than DK Metcalf's. And the the total number of passes in that offense is going to be higher than it would be for Seattle. So I just think he's going to have significantly more opportunities than than DK Metcalf. I would probably put it, you know, anywhere between 20 and 30 more targets. And so that's just it's hard to overcome that kind of gap in PPR, especially because Metcalf's, you know, He's not going to have a super high catch rate. Jameis's bad ball rate in 2019 with Tampa, and that's the season where he had over 5,000 yards and 30 interceptions, it was 20.6%. Anything over 20% is bad because you're basically slashing 20% of their throws is uncatchable. So that you're right. That would hurt Michael Thomas's catch rate, but I still think he would be targeted at a, at a higher rate than DK would. And I think there would be some regression. Like, I don't think he would have his... Intended air yards per pass attempt was over 10 in 2019 and 2018. I think that would probably come back down. You know, Drew Brees over the last couple of seasons has been more in the seven yard range. So I think you'd probably see Jameis 
more in like the nine yard range. And I think that would help alleviate some of those issues. And then there's the whole factor with DK having 13 or fewer PPR points in six of his final eight games. Yeah. Well, it's Wilson wasn't very good in those games. You know, it's the same. It's two years in a row. The same thing happened. Uh, Okay. I I just, I want to see that competition play out. (laughs) Let's, let's give Taysom Hill a chance here. I thought Taysom Hill did a good job. I, what do I know? I guess, but I was surprised. I think it'd be better for fantasy. Oh yeah, it'd be more fun. We'd get the rushing total. Well, it would be better for for him. For him, like, like it would be better for him, but it'd be worse for everyone else on the same. It'd right. be worse for Kamara, you'd think, and it'd be worse for Thomas. Yeah, my ideal I scenario think. for fantasy would be Jameis going to like Denver or something. Oh, you love Denver, and you should. I think With Denver's like there. about to explode as soon as they get a quarterback. I hope so. All right, uh, we're going to talk about Carson Wentz when that trade happens. It seems imminent. It might happen today. We'll hop on for a bonus podcast, I'm sure. Uh, but he is on the trading block, and you know we thought that he might get traded just before the Super Bowl. They were nice. They didn't do it on Super Bowl Sunday. So hopefully that happens soon. And there's uh, some interest in Sam Darnold. Multiple teams have reached out to the Jets about Sam Darnold. That's according to Adam Schefter. Uh, Dave, real quick, do you think Sam Darnold could ever become really good quarterback. I mean, he was the number three pick in the draft and no more Adam Gase. You think there's potential there? Sure. If you put him in a place like, I don't know, say Denver, Denver. he's the starting quarterback there and he's got all these receivers and he's, he's got a coaching staff that will let him throw. And I think that would be the case for whatever quarterback ends up in Denver. Then, yeah, I think he's got a chance to be a helpful part of a fantasy squad, but he, he needs that type of, circumstance he needs a good line in front of him he needs to have good receivers around him he needs the perfect situation the the thing to keep in mind about him he's seven months younger than joe burrow you know he was so <laughs> yeah. he was starting as a 21 year old and so um you know i i'm skeptical but we've seen what happens to guys who get away from adam gase in the past few years it <laughs> yeah. usually works out pretty well right. right if he ends up in washington I don't think he's got the chops to be a great fantasy quarterback. I just don't think that offense is ready to take that next step. He'll have a bunch of decent games and one or two smash games, but not yeah. someone that we're going to start regularly. I think they'd be a, a wide receiver away at least and probably some offensive line. Help. Several, several offensive linemen away. All right. So let's take a look at the questions that I have for Can for, for we'll start with uh Kansas City, then we'll move on to Tampa Bay, and then we'll read your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here are my Kansas City questions. Let's start with Tyreek Hill. He was the number two wide receiver in fantasy this year. Uh I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give you some numbers to illustrate just how incredible he is in non-PPR. But is he, Tyreek Hill, clearly the number two wide receiver in fantasy drafts? Or is there someone that should go ahead of him? Or should he be number one? Uh, uh, Chris, why don't you start? Is Tyreek Hill clearly the number two wide receiver in fantasy drafts? I don't think you can really make a case for him as number one in either format, but he is clearly number two in non-PBR. He's number four in PBR for me. So I I don't really think there's a... There's a huge gap there. I have DeAndre Hopkins at number two. He has 10 more points than Tyreek Hill. And that mostly just comes down to expecting a little touchdown regression for both of them uh, going in opposite directions. I think in PPR, it's got to be Devontae Adams. I tried to make the case for Tyreek Hill over Devontae, but Devontae Adams in PPR has just been more consistent at a higher level over the past couple of seasons and certainly last season. Uh, So I can't do it in PPR, but in non-PPR, Look, I'm expecting Green, and and I said this a year ago, so maybe I'm just going to be full of it, but 
I expect Green Bay to add another pass catcher to their offense. And I think it could be a pass catcher that takes some numbers away from Devontae Adams. Not to say that Devontae Adams is going to be a bad fantasy receiver, but still not getting the same type of target share and end zone target share that we just saw this season. And he needs to repeat that if he's going to blow away the competition, be five yards or five, five yards, five PPR points per game better than everybody else. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a closer margin between receivers and full PPR and a non PPR. I just think Tyreek Hill has a chance to outperform Devontae. And he had more games with 10 non PPR points than Devontae last year. Okay, so he is insane in non-PPR. If you look at the last five years, and you could go to different websites and get different stats, I use fftoday.com and just looked at their non-PPR scoring. The number one wide receiver in non-PPR has scored 210, 216, 241. That was Tyreek Hill. 226 and 245 fantasy points. Uh Hill has had two seasons in the last five or in the last three with more than 240 fantasy points. Okay. He had scored 241 two years or three years ago, and he scored 242 this year in 15 games. Like Devontae Adams scored 245. He had an incredible year. But you're talking about the number one wide receiver in 2016, 17, and 19 scored 210 to 226 points. And Tyreek Hill's over 240 in two of his last three seasons. The other year, he got hurt. He, he played, I think, nine games. He left two of them after fewer than 20% of the snaps, so his numbers were way off. Mahomes was hurt that year. But the best of Tyreek Hill is like a super-duper stud in non-PPR, but we know he's not going to lead the league in catches. He was on pace for 93 catches this year. Then you have a guy like Stefan Diggs with 127 catches. Adams had 115 in 14 games. Hopkins had 115. So that's why it's a little bit more of a discussion in PPR. All right, second question. Would you rather have Clyde Edwards Elair or David Montgomery? Dave, first word. Edwards Elair or David Montgomery next year? I'm taking Edwards Elair so long as Montgomery goes back to sharing to some degree with another running back. I think Cohen Cohen seems to think he's staying in Chicago. I know there was a rumor over the weekend that he was part of a package to Philadelphia for Carson Wentz. But we, we saw it before Cohen got hurt, and we saw it all of 2019 that Montgomery just wasn't quite as effective as a fantasy running back when he had to share. And he's not going to have this type of schedule like he had late this season where he's running against Houston and Jacksonville and, and Detroit and Minnesota. Like He was crushing terrible run defenses as a solo act in Chicago's backfield. He's going to share the ball. The schedule will get tough. He will have tougher matchups. He won't be as good. So I'm taking a lot of running backs ahead of David Montgomery, and Edwards Elair is going to be one of them. I am concerned about Edwards Elair also sharing the ball. Damian Williams figures to be back. We'll see what else Kansas City does at the position. I do think that Edwards Elair will be the lead back for Kansas City, but being in a position to hit the types of numbers that we talked about uh, eight months ago with him, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he can still be a better number two fantasy running back than Montgomery. Chris, he's, he's an interesting player, Clyde Edwards-Elair, because the first six games of the year before they brought in Le'Veon Bell, he had about 80% of the running back carries. Now, when you look at Kansas City, they've always got Tyreek Hill and Mahomes gets a lot of carries, whatever. But he had 79.3% of the Kansas City running back carries in those first six games. He was on pace for over 1,800 yards and 56 catches but he was, just wasn't scoring. He was on pace for only three touchdowns. But, I mean, that's an elite player right there. And very similar to what Kareem Hunt did by for uh, you know for comparison's sake as a rookie, just fewer touchdowns. 
Then they trade for Bell, and when they traded for Bell, they just started throwing the ball so much, and yeah. you know, the workload changed so much. So I'll ask you the same question. How, first of all, how do you evaluate Edwards Elaire, and would you rather have him or David Montgomery? I have Montgomery one spot higher, but they're 16 oh. and 17 in PPR for me. So it's it's not like I'm, I'm incredibly high on either. Um, although I do think there are about 20 to 22 running backs who I think I'd be happy with as my, you know, one of my top two my top two running backs. So they're in that group. Um, I think the biggest thing is really the, that pass rate. Like you mentioned, I was actually looking it up when we were talking about Terry kill uh, from week eight on his final eight games, Patrick Mahomes was on pace for 692 pass attempts, which is, uh, <laughs> that's a lot for that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's doing that. It's just like, you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, his per 16 game numbers were 5,700 yards and 44 touchdowns. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know the concerning thing for Clyde Edwards Elair was even when Le'Veon Bell, you know, was phased out of the game plan, he was still, you know, he wasn't exactly dominating work when he was splitting with Darrell Williams. And there were times uh, you know, there were a, a few games where things got close in the fourth quarter and it was a lot of Darrell Williams, not Clyde Edwards Elair. M- maybe a, you know, a full normal offseason, which I think we you know, kind of forget because so many rookies were productive this year that this was still a strange offseason without a lot of the normal opportunities. Maybe that helps Clyde Edwards Eli round out his game and, and helps him dominate work, but I'm still expecting there to be a timeshare in Kansas City's backfield. And I'm I'm expecting um, you know, he's gonna be more like a you know, two hundred and twenty carry guy without uh, you know, a, a significant workload in the passing game. So uh, mid to low end number two running back. Form. How many catches do you have in projected for Chris? Uh, 46. That's a number I can live with, with him because yeah, I, it's fine. When he came out, like he was a prolific pass catcher at LSU. He, it, it was the one area of his game that you could say to yourself on draft day. Okay. Even if he doesn't work out as an every down feature guy for Kansas city, at least he'll catch a lot of passes. And he had like 54 targets and he caught a lot of them. Not, not a super high catch rate for a running back. I want to say somewhere in the thirties, but that's where I want to see him develop and get better. And Kansas city to say, okay. And maybe they will after this game where they could have used a a pass catching running back a little bit more to, to negate that pass rush. I'd like to see him get in a position to catch close to 50 passes. And I think he can do it. It's just a matter of him, like you said, Chris, rounding out his game, being a little bit more involved in all three downs. And if he can do that with a normal offseason, then he, he's, we're probably going to be underdrafting him. Yeah, and, and one of the things for him early on, I, I haven't looked at the full season numbers, but I remember through like the first six or seven games, if he was on the field for a pass, it was a route. Like he he was blocking like four or five percent of the time. Right. They, were barely, they did not like so, him in that role. Um, You know, I, I wonder if... If he develops more in that area, maybe that gives them the confidence to leave him out there in all passing situations and could make him a more effective pass catcher. If you know uh, that he's going to run it, go out for a route in an obvious passing situation, it makes it a little easier to defend. Okay. Yeah, but Damian Williams is stiffer competition than Le'Veon Bell or Daryl Williams were. So Imagine, imagine saying maybe. that. I think we're talking is. about a 30-year-old running back who didn't play football last year. Yeah. I think it's good when a 30-year-old running back didn't play football last year. I'd rather have him have... And the thing is, he's not... He's like Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom didn't have a lot of mileage when he turned 30. Damian Williams doesn't have a lot of mileage. 
you know, he can never stay healthy. But he he's not a a worn down running back by any means. I mean, the workload's been pretty light for him. Well, right. he could get worn down pretty quickly just knowing his track record. Yeah, but he's because he's going to be a number two back. But okay, fine. So let's say they let's say they run the ball twenty times a game. How many go to Clyde Edwards either? How many go to Damian Williams? What's your guess? Fourteen and six. Yes, yeah, some around there, maybe thirteen and seven. Okay. Just to be different. Would you rather we can do this one quickly? Would you rather have Clyde Edwards Elair or Patrick Mahomes? Edwards Elair. Yep. I, I wonder if Mahomes' performance in the Super Bowl will resonate. Not that he won't be the first quarterback off the board in fantasy drafts, but it makes fantasy managers hesitate a little bit more to take him. And if they're hesitating to take him, then maybe they won't be able to justify taking a Josh Allen or a Kyler Murray ahead of him. And it just it might just finally push down those quarterbacks to a point where in every draft we don't see any of them go in the first twenty five picks. I don't think anyone's going to be affected by the Super Bowl personally. I think they're going to say, "Well, the offensive line was banged up, so as long as they have these guys back next year, I think everybody will be all systems go with Mahomes." I right. I'm not. I'm not saying that people are going to say, "Well, if Mahomes sucks. He blew it in the Super Bowl." It's just the the prioritization of a quarterback on draft day might change a little bit. Maybe. Well, those are our Kansas City questions. When we come back, Tom Brady or Justin Herbert? We'll have that debate. Chris Godwin or Mike Evans? We'll have that debate. We'll take a break and talk Buccaneers, Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. After this, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on Fantasy Football Today, we'll get to your emails after these Buccaneers questions. But Schrager, why isn't Heath on today, by the way? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Just gave him the morning off. Just gave him the morning off. (laughs) But but you had the schedule out a while ago. You never intended to have Heath on today. That is correct. What if they had won? If they had won, I would have let him celebrate very late last night. Okay. Okay. Has anybody checked on Heath? He's fine. When you get your butt kicked, he's, he's an adult. Yeah. When you get your butt kicked, like you're fine, right? I, we, I was because Coach Jonathan Coachman's a Chiefs fan. And we were live streaming last night, and they were getting crushed. And he's mm-hmm. like, "I'd rather lose like this, you know, than a right. heartbreaker." Of course. I mean, you're gonna lose, lose big. That's the way to do it. 
or win big if you're the Bucks. Tampa Bay questions Tom Brady or Justin Herbert. These guys were very similar statistically. Brady averaged 289.6 yards per game, passing yards. Herbert averaged 289.1. Uh, that's third and fourth in the NFL behind Mahomes and Watson. And uh, Herbert had more, a lot more rushing production. A lot more, obviously. And they were basically tied in points per game. So, Chris, Brady or Herbert? It's Herbert for me. And and partially it comes down to that rushing production. Partially it comes down to just uh, one's a 24-year-old quarterback and one's a 44-year-old quarterback. And I know we've been expecting Tom Brady to fall off at some point. And, you know, for the most part, it hasn't happened. It take, took him a little while to gel in this offense. But once he got going, he was exceptional. Um, but I just... All other things being equal, you take the guy who's 20 years younger because there's uh, less of a chance that things go really bad. And I think more of a chance that Justin Herbert takes a step forward in year two than Tom Brady is much better. Dave? I think everybody is going to say Herbert over Brady. And when you talk about how close they were last year, you're not kidding. They were a tenth of a fantasy point off per game. They both had the same amount of games with 22 fantasy points they had the same amount of games with 25 fantasy points herbert was a smidge more consistent about it because he played one fewer game but they were basically the same and the rushing production for herbert helps i think the change in coaching staff could really uh kick herbert into high gear i think there's more upside there than there is with tom and, and tampa bay but i think the question needs to be phrased this way justin herbert in round eight or nine or tom brady in round 10 or 11 because I think that that's where they'll probably end up going. Maybe Herbert goes a little bit higher. Maybe Brady does too. And I'm just nuts. But I, I, I think that Herbert does get taken before Brady in most drafts. And so if you're looking for value and you think that they're going to be about the same, maybe you just wait the extra round and go with Brady to save on to, to get a different player in round eight or round nine. And then you just hold on to Brady in round 10. All right. So then let me make the case for Brady since you guys both said Herbert and we think and correctly think that most fantasy managers are going to take Herbert over Brady. Uh, the case for Brady would be Herbert really struggled down the stretch last season mm -hmm. uh, as the offense got a little bit more conservative and thankfully, you know, new, new coaching staff. But I think a sec, I don't love a second year player. I want to do some research on this and I will a second year quarterback changing offensive coordinators. He had to learn an offense as a rookie. Now he's got to learn a brand new one. I mean, it was it was horrible for Daniel Jones. That's one that comes to mind right off the bat. Um, it didn't work for, for Washington. So, you know, I just want to look into that maybe in the last five years, how many times that's happened in the results. So I, I don't love that. Plus, Joe Lombardi, it's not like he has a great track record. Matthew Stafford made the probe. I was looking at this today. Joe Lombardi is the new coordinator for Herbert. Uh, he coached. He was offensive coordinator one year in Detroit, and then the second year he got fired after seven games. They were one and six. Stafford made the Pro Bowl. That's his only Pro Bowl in the year that uh, that Lombardi was the offensive coordinator. But he like twenty two touchdowns, twelve interceptions. He had an eighty five point seven passer rating. It was not a good year for Matthew Stafford. Anyway, so so there's that. You got a new coaching staff, and you've got a guy who struggled late last year. And Brady with Antonio Brown, he averaged about a yard more per attempt than without Antonio Brown in the regular season. So if you give me Godwin back and Antonio Brown back, I don't know how they're going to be able to do that, but if they do, I mean, his weapons are much better. Is he going to throw the ball more? I don't know. It'd probably be close, but they're always going to be among the leaders in pass attempts. 
I think I think you can make a pretty compelling case for Tom Brady. Uh, there's the rushing production is what weighs it in my favor toward Herbert, but I think you could say his passing production. I would I would think if I just said to you whose passing production is going to be better, what would you say, Brady or Herbert? How about that? I think Brady would probably have a little bit more. Brady, right. but yeah. I, I actually I think the most likely outcome is both are worse in year in 2021 than they were in 2020 and. To be clear, I think that's going to be true for pretty much every quarterback. Uh, passing was, you know, th- this was a historic offensive season for the NFL and especially in the passing game. But, um, and I, I think the lack of training camp impacted defenses more. Uh, but I think both of those guys are, are prime regression candidates. Okay. Uh, next question is what do you make of the Tampa Bay running back situation, Dave? Uh, we'll see what they make of it. Let's not forget that they spent a third-round pick on Keyshawn Vaughn. He's going to be in the mix. We'll see how they end up feeling about Ronald Jones, and I doubt he ends up. I doubt he ends up being their feature back again in 2021 when he lost the majority of snaps to Leonard Fournette in in the playoffs. If Fournette's willing to come back on a cheap deal, and and my guess is that there won't be a long line for Leonard Fournette services, given the other running backs that are available in free agency or you know cap casualties plus the NFL draft. Sure, maybe they, they bring back Fournette on a, on a cheap deal and they let him be the starter to begin the year. Uh, Vaughn will make the roster. My guess is that Jones will too. Those are three guys already. That probably means that they won't draft another running back with a, with a priority pick in the NFL draft. They'll probably mix and match between the three of them. Hard to see one of them breaking out as, as a reliable fantasy starter week in and week out. We, I would hate it. I think we all would. <laughs> well, just... The, the Fournette Ronald Jones combination we saw it play out all season. It it doesn't really make a lot of sense unless you just want depth as an NFL team. But if you want two guys who complement each other well, like there's there are not many running back combinations that make less sense. Those two don't complement each other at all. They're the same guy. It's the Spider Man meme. And this was why you know there was even yesterday during the Super Bowl I saw fantasy uh, people on Twitter like arguing about who should have gotten a goal line carry. And it's like, I don't understand how people still have strong opinions one way or the other about Leonard Fournette or, or Ronald Jones. I think, I just think they're the exact same guy. Maybe Fournette's a better pass catcher, but he's not exactly good in that role. It's not like he's someone you want, uh, you know, coming in on third downs when you have Ronald Jones, I think, you know, the, the best case scenario is they get split up and, and Fournette starting somewhere. Otherwise, I think it's just going to continue to be a mess. Yeah, how much faith? Okay, fine. So let's say Fournette is gone. How much faith would you have in Ronald Jones? I mean, I think I think he really would have paid off if they didn't sign Fournette. I think he would have had a really good season. When he got the opportunities, he played pretty well. He averaged over five yards per carry. He had a super long run against the Carolina Panthers. But even if you remove that, he averaged like 4.6 yards per carry. So he was efficient. He was good. You know... The kind of player that was worthy of a top 50 pick, I'd say, for sure. So if Fournette's gone, would we consider Ronald Jones in the fourth round? I would, yeah. I have him as RB20 right now, but there's, uh, you know, obviously, or RB25, but that's with Fournette. So I think he could move into the top 20 if Fournette does leap. I think I could see it. I don't know if I would be excited about it. He might be one of those running backs that are like the last gasp RB2s to begin the season if Fournette is out of there. Because I still know that uh, as as great as Ronald Jones looked at times this year, I still know that the coaching staff 
isn't bought into him as a lead guy. And the proof of that is in the playoffs and his playing time in the playoffs. Yeah, I just don't know how healthy he was. And yeah. they they were bought into him late in the year. I say this like every episode. They made Fournette inactive. They gave Jones the job, and then he got hurt, and then he was on the COVID list. And, and then Fournette took over. And then Fournette took over, but I but he, you know, Fournette took advantage of an opportunity, and Fournette played better in the postseason than he had played in the regular season. And I think that also comes down to the fact that when Fournette's running well, you don't really like, I mean, we saw Ronald Jones got 12 carries for 61 yards yeah. in the, in the Super Bowl, but it's just, they don't complement each other. Well, like I said, and so if it's not Leonard Fournette, if it's Keyshawn Vaughn, who plays 40% of the snaps, I still think that leaves a significant role for Ronald Jones as the lead runner. I think it just makes him, uh, you know, kind of a touchdown or bust guy, like a touchdown or bust number two which isn't super exciting, but um, there could be a lot of touchdowns in that offense. Well, perhaps it's as simple as this. It's hard to be a true lead running back in a Tom Brady offense if you're so bad at catching the ball. Yeah. And Ronald Jones appears to be that. And finally, assuming Chris Godwin is back, Godwin or Mike Evans? Chris, who would you, who would you take? Oh, I have Chris Godwin way ahead. He's wide receiver 20 for me. Mike Evans is wide receiver 21. <laughs> um, I have Chris Godwin projected for 230 points and Mike Evans projected for 230 points. So it's uh, clearly Ooh. Chris Godwin in my eyes. That feels kind of low, by the way. Wide receivers 20 and 21. I, it all depends on, you know, does Gronk come back? Does Antonio Brown come back? They just spread the ball around so much this season. And, you know, Mike Evans did end up just getting over a thousand yards, right? Yep. Uh, but there were long stretches. I think most of the season, really, he was playing you know, up until <laughs> really like the last three games of the season. He was kind of playing like a, like, I think the the joking comp I made early on in the season was Julius Thomas. Mm-hmm. He was just catching touchdowns, but not really doing anything else. And then he had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, three hundred and twenty yards in the final two games of the season. But before that, he was on pace for eight hundred and twenty three yards and fourteen touchdowns. So that touchdown rate, you know, I don't think was sustainable. And we'll see. Uh, you know, if they bring everyone back, I, I have both those guys projected for right around one hundred and twenty targets, and that's just. That's not very much, um, you know, especially because Tom Brady doesn't move the ball downfield the way Jameis Winston did. Dave, who do you like better, and how would you compare them to Cooper Cup? Well, both Rams receivers, Bucks receivers versus Rams receivers. I think I'm going to end up taking both of them ahead of Cooper Cup. I'll get back to you on Woods. Woods might be ahead of them both. It could be a a Rams sandwich oh, nice. with Bucks in the middle. That's actually a Bucks sandwich. Bucks sandwich. Oh, People, I guess so. Yeah, Bucks would be the meat. You know, I I don't think about my sandwiches, Adam. I just eat them <laughs> at rapid speed. Uh, look, Godwin is probably the safer pick, the steadier pick. Uh, despite being beat up in 2020, he was still top 15 in PPR points per game at 15.4. He was consistent. Uh, he also he he came through in pretty much every single one of Tom Brady's big games, and you know, Brady's 25 plus points you'll see Chris Godwin with 15 plus in a lot of them. And you'll, there, there were plenty of games where Evans was good too, 
but Chris nailed it. He was touchdown heavy. He had 13 scores. He had eight touchdowns in each of the previous seasons. His targets per game was down to below seven in 2020, and his receiving average was down as well. And was it is? because he was hurt? Maybe, but we, we, we have to wait and see. If all the guys are back for Tampa Bay, I'll take the steady, safer receiver in Godwin ahead of Evans. It is wild that you know Chris Godwin missed four games. Antonio Brown only played eight. They didn't really have a good pass catching running back, and Mike Evans only had 109 targets. Um, that is that is a little bit alarming, and um, I don't know. I, I, Tom Brady spreads the ball around a lot. That's just who he is. You you never unless it was you know Julian Edelman in the past, uh, you didn't really see him, you know, with one dominant target wide receiver. And Mike Evans is a very different type of player than Julian Edelman. Tom Brady was willing to move the ball down the field. It just wasn't, it was either short or deep. You know, it wasn't like Jameis Winston where it was a lot of 15 yard targets. It was, you know, a seven yard target, a seven yard target, a 40 yard target. And that's just, it's harder to consistently hit when you're playing like that as Mike Evans. Okay. Uh, bonus question. Favorite sandwich. You you know, you can make a sandwich right now. What are you going to make? And nothing too gourmet. It has to be something that's kind of accessible. You know, not like your favorite so sandwich. Like a taco. From the sh- no, not your favorite sandwich from the shop uh, down the street. Cause I had a, a hot dog. Tr- I had a great panini the other day with like avocado, balsamic, uh, tomato, uh, oh, so good. Grilled Wait, chicken. Avocado and tomato aren't readily available. No, I don't think anybody's I making this find sandwich tomatoes for the life of me. I go to every I just, grocery I, store. I'm not talking about like that specialty sandwich you get at the store. I'm talking about you're making a sandwich for your kid or something like that. Or Chris for your wife, whatever. Like make your favorite sandwich. What is it? I don't quite understand the restrictions that you're putting on this. But I just, my do, wife, you know what? Go ahead. Make a sandwich. I'm going to tell you if it fits my restrictions or not. <laughs> it's deli meat, right? That's your restriction. That's what well, it seems like. it could like. be grilled chicken, you know, something like that. But it can't be. So this, I can't say this, a public chicken tender sub. No, you can't say that. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Why can't he say that? Because it's something you have to make at home in your kitchen. Uh, Turkey with provolone and uh you know toppings a little oil and vinegar okay salt and pepper you're asking us to name our favorite sandwich but it's got to be a sandwich that we have to make for ourselves yeah and like yeah, i could yeah. make i've got some chicken tenders that i made last night i could make my own right now so okay. i don't I, right. it, so he i just think you're making artificial i just think you're making artificial limitations but you don't make sandwiches your favorite sandwiches aren't the ones you make it's the ones that you go out and get that's what i'm saying once in a while but what about a fill you go I, out and get well, what's yeah. the one that you make a lot right who, who no, goes out and like, makes their own philly cheesesteak i'm talking about it's wednesday afternoon at home it's wednesday afternoon i want a sandwich nobody's like oh Philly cheesesteak. I, I just, I, I just think you're being unnecessarily restrictive here, and I, I don't think we're giving the the people uh, good information. No, I want to know your go-to sandwich. That's what I want to know. You said okay. turkey with provolone, all right, and some toppings. Okay, the grilled cheese. Right, stop saying God, just stick with monster cheddar. <laughs> Some mayo on the outside. Dave, what about you? Go to Adam. Your 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 rules suck. It's an <laughs> Italian beef Chicago style sandwich with mozzarella and marinara. And you make that, or you buy that? Hell no, I don't make that because Dave, I'm an amateur. I go to the pros. Make what sandwich? Chi Town. What in, sandwich in do you make? Beach, Florida. What sandwich do you make? I don't make any sandwiches. I barely know how to type. Okay. PB and J. Mine's ham and cheese on a plain bagel. Okay. 
There you go. Ham is terrible. On a bagel? I'm glad that that's yeah, where I love we end it. up I love this. it on a bagel. In fact, to be honest with you, it's on a cinnamon raisin bagel, but everybody thinks it's disgusting. But yeah, I know. But I can eat First anything. First of all, bagel sandwiches are great. totally overrated. No, they're great. No, they can be good. Yeah. The sandwich bread is way too dense, so all the toppings just push out of the back while you're eating it. I'm not a topping. Force. I'm not really a topping guy, to be honest. Right. And how many slices of ham are we talking? Two for you, Adam? Two, yeah. Two and two, I'd say. You, Maybe you one. Want, you don't want the ham to overpower the cinnamon and raisin. <laughs> you're just eating a bagel. It sounds great, but you're eating a bagel. It sounds It terrible. doesn't sound great. It sounds. Ham and cheese and cinnamon. Yeah, it's it doesn't delicious. sound special in the least. <laughs> it's. You it's have the really Sammy weird, but sandwiches is your favorite sandwich. I basically item. I could eat anything on a cinnamon raisin bagel. That's what it comes down to. Schrager, make a sandwich. What do you got? Whole wheat bread, grilled chicken, honey mustard, a little spinach. Yeah, you're sitting pepper jack cheese. You're you're like you should just like open a smoothie store. You're just so healthy. Good for you. You didn't give me any options. If I could do a buffalo chicken sandwich or a cheesesteak, I mean, those would be amazing, yeah, but you, you I'm can't pretty basic that. if I'm making a basic sandwich. Yeah, nobody does that. Nobody does that. You have to buy that. All right, this is from Reggie. Email here from Reggie. I can keep two players at the below round value, 12-team PPR, three receivers, and a flex. Um, keep two. Can't uh, DeAndre Swift in the fourth, Akers in the fifth, Deontay Johnson in the eighth, Antonio Gibson in the ninth, and Josh Allen in the 13th round. Three receivers on a flex. Hmm. How do you pass up Josh Allen at round 13? I'm going to keep Allen. I'm going to keep Cam Akers. I'm going Swift and Gibson. Mm, nobody's taking Deontay Johnson in the eighth round in a PPR three receiver league. Okay. <laughs> There's still some Not uncertainty easy. in Pittsburgh, right? We don't know who the quarterback is definitely going to be. We don't know who Deontay's teammates will be. We don't know how many catches Deontay will botch all right this is from Joey from the largest city on the Illinois River uh River City dear Mitchell sure dear Mitchell J Rex and Kyle poor you Joey yeah, yeah. poor you <laughs> there's some person good. once predecessors hey <laughs> poor go. Joey hey Jay wasn't all so the bad. Joey's out there in Chicagoland Jay Cutler were not so bad. I'm in a two-keeper oh, okay. auction league. He wasn't. wasn't that bad. Well, I mean, compared to Mitchell Trubisky, probably not. But overall, yeah. How auction. many playoff games did the Bears win with Jay Cutler? Actually, is this... I don't know. How many? Bears quarterbacks One? who've made the playoffs? Did Kyle Orr never make the playoffs? Yeah, he made the playoffs with the Bears. Yeah. These are the last four starting quarterbacks for the Bears in the playoffs. And by the way... Do you know how many playoff games Matthew Stafford has won in his career? Yeah, well, right. Zero. Mm-hmm. He's 0 for 3. I find that pretty amazing. Okay, anyway, here's the question. I don't know why I feel like I'm dumping on Stafford today. I'm sorry. Joey says, two-keeper uh, salary cap. We call them salary cap leagues now. $200 budget. I'm sitting at 125 going all in only to lose my first playoff, mat- playoff matchup after an undefeated season. Ooh. All right, so he's got to keep. Yeah, that sucks. Oh, oh no, he's got to keep two of these. James Robinson Poor for a Joey. James Robinson for a dollar, Diggs for thirteen, and Eckler for twenty five. Pick two. Uh, you're throwing back uh, Eckler. Yeah, I think Eckler might be the highest ranked for me of this group, but sure. it's not such a significant gap that I'm, you know, going to pay all that extra. 
You're, right, he's in, he's in salary cap hell. Yeah. So he's got to have cheap options. This is a good start. Robinson's a must. Come on. Yeah. This Absolutely. is from then, Garrett. Let me, let me read this. Garrett is... Sounds like the sandwich police are coming <laughs> for us. It's like, are you making a cheesesteak at home? You have to buy that. Uh, who's a better stash in a dynasty league? Four point per passing touchdown league. Tua Tungavailoa or Jameis Winston? I mean, I know yeah. Tua is going to start. Well, ask me after the first week of May. And I'll, I'll have a much more definitive answer, but I... I will ask I you. I think it's Jameis. Put a note in my phone. Wow. Ah, uh, no, it's Tua. I don't want to be overreactionary guy. It was one season. He still looked okay at times. Okay, he's got room to grow, and they they're gonna have better options around him than they did last season. I would hope so. Yes, in fact, I'll throw out a stat for you in a, in a moment here. Adam Troutman or Irv Smith? Half PPR. Same question. Better dynasty stat uh, stash. Irv. I think it's Irv. I love Trotman. Uh, both of them could be out of the league in three years. Uh, according to ESPN, the Dolphins were one of the NFL's worst teams in receiver separation and yards after contact in 2020. So they could use a wide receiver or two. And finally, from Brian in Buffalo, 10-team league, PPR, Dynasty, won the championship. Um, okay, I'm thinking of trading DeAndre Hopkins now that he's getting older. What do you think, and which seems like the best long-term investment? Hopkins for Gibson and Pittman. Hopkins for T. Higgins and the third pick in the first round of the rookie draft. I, do you like that better than Gibson and Pittman? No, I like Gibson and Pittman better. Third pick in the first round of the rookie I, draft I like, and T. Higgins for DeAndre Hopkins? That's a no-brainer. Well, but do I, you like it better than Gibson and Pittman? I like it yes. better. I, I like, like Pittman more than Higgins, and I, I'm not sure. <sighs> that's a hot third pick versus Gibson is. Is it really? Dude, that's a hot. I think it is. Yeah, this is T Higgins, by the way, not uh, Richard. Just so you know, Higgins yeah, that, was. That's, I said T, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. take, I was like making fun of. It. I don't know. Um, Higgins was freaking awesome. He was good, yeah. and he's got Joe Burrow, yeah. locked in as his quarterback. We don't know. Michael Pittman's got Dwayne Haskins locked in long term. <laughs> the best player that we might be overlooking here is whoever he takes. Yeah, with yeah. The third pick sure, in round exactly. one. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I like Pittman more than Higgins, and Gibson versus the rookie pick, I think, is close. No, the I, rookie pick might be the best player in this entire thing, and Higgins might be the second best. Yeah, the rookie pick is going to be Chase. It's going to be one of the top two wide receivers, Smith or Chase, and it's going to be ETN or Harris at running. It's yeah. going to be one of those four. Those first likely. four picks and rookie only drafts are going to be awesome. All right, the first last, five, you can throw Waddle in there too. Last option here is Hopkins and James Conner for Marquise Brown, DJ Chark, Curtis Samuel, and the fifth pick of the rookie draft. The Higgins deal. And would you rather just keep Hopkins or would you make that deal? I think I would make that deal. Okay. But you're, I, I'm the one on the podcast that loves Higgins. If you feel like Chris does and you, and you think that Pittman's better than Higgins and you're, then you're not valuing Higgins like I am. In which I, case or, you might pass on all of you're not valuing Pittman like I am. Pittman's a good receiver, but I think Indianapolis's offense is going to be a lot like the, the Bucks offense in the way that they spread it all around, but not to the same type of efficiency that the Bucks have. By the way, just to, Michael Pittman does not have Dwayne Haskins. Sorry, Haskins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
We don't know. He who. currently doesn't have a quarterback. He, he could have Andrew Luck, though. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I probably should have brought that up earlier, the Luck rumors. Right, we'll talk about those tomorrow. Schrager, remind me. Luck rumors tomorrow. Thanks Love a lot. It. Great show, guys. Let's have some sandwiches today. Go out to a store. Get a really good sandwich if you want. Get me a cinnamon raisin bagel, and I'm all set. For Chris Towers, Ben Trager, Dave Richard, I'm Adam Acer. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope this podcast was better than the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Spring training is in full swing, and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.